Off the Ball with thanks to Ford. This season, we're not playing by the rules. We're exceeding expectations. Now as standard, Ford, go further. All right, a very good evening to you. This uh, Friday evening, we have plenty to talk about. Keen, a very good evening to you. Good evening, Joe. Colin, a very good evening to you. Good evening. Brian, just a very good evening to you. Good evening, Joe. Now, ordinarily, we'd be um, talking about the weekend's imminent games and maybe chatting a bit about Paul O'Connell, but uh, the Matt O'Connor decision kind of came like a bit of a bow from the blue. Yeah, it did. It definitely did. From uh, I think from our perspective and, and certainly from a lot of players' perspective, um, they weren't. They didn't see it coming, and uh, yeah, they got their text the other night that kind of an EGM was being called, and they were told that when that happens, does everybody go, uh, "Something big is happening"? We're we're signing a new superstar player. It's like, oh, geez, Matt's getting it. Um, I, I don't know. I think a few of the lads had had a few days on on the fizz for uh, you know the end of their season, so they probably weren't feeling the best, and then going into you know getting the text. Definitely going to bring on a bit of the fear for you. <laughs> um, so EGM. I, I'd say, I'd say um, a few of them weren't sure what it was about, but um, you know, I, I think probably word spread spread quite quickly. I know that um, some of the senior players were probably told before the, the rest of the squad. We obviously don't really get to know the character of the people involved. Um, there's there's a very natural kind of gap. We just don't see them every day. We don't know what they're like as as people. What was Matt O'Connor like as a as a person? An unbelievably popular guy. Uh, I think that was, the, you know, that's why some guys were really shocked and, and kind of saddened. Um, I suppose some from a rugby point of view, certain guys would have, he, w- he would have had a preference for. Um, maybe there'd be one or two guys that he, you know, fell out of selection and mightn't be as sorry to see him go. But cert- certainly from a personal point of view, he was very, very popular. And, and one of the guys that... Uh, one one of the coaches that you'd look at and think, you know, I'd like to go out for a beer with him. Um, you know, coaches can tend to be quite, you know, focused solely on their rugby, but he had a he, he had a proper humour side to him, and I don't think that properly came across in the media at any stage. No. His level of popularity, yeah, because it must be popular because nobody's had a bad word to say about him. You know. It, I, it's incredible the performances for last year yet no one that works with him has had even an inkling of I had such a brilliant night with him at Jordan Murphy's wedding last year we like literally he he would have lads in stitches and and maybe to a degree that was his fall down that you know he, he doesn't I don't think he probably has an awful lot of badness in him and his way of kind of telling something off, someone off might be from taking the piss out of them and sometimes the point can be lost a little bit in that way yeah because um, we heard that the review sessions were nowhere near as, as fearsome as the Joe Schmidt ones but then I wonder like this this group of Leinster players have been through so much success maybe they don't need as much of a stick as some other teams maybe not but at the same time you do need to be told off sometimes you need to be shouted at and you need to be a little bit fearful um, of, of where the message is coming from and um, I don't know I, I suppose with, with Matt O'Connor and Richard Cockrell in, in Leicester where he came from they played good cop bad cop and technically Matt's a, a very good coach I just don't know whether that lambasting part is in his personality and, and in the end that could have been his, his, his fall down yeah um, no he just fall, fell into the friend zone like you know this could go slightly differently it works for management as well I promise you're in the friend zone it's no good for anyone <laughs> Waited too long to ask me. <laughs> um, I don't know how I meant to answer that one. <laughs> yeah, the friends. Don't zone. worry, a lot of people yeah, get that with Woolies questions. <laughs> just call it the friends. Zone a lot of hand holding. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, just to go back to the the coaching, the the period of time that he was there, the team didn't seem to improve over that. There wasn't a sense like it's really weird to be talking about Leinster's season. Because if Jimmy Garpeth drops the goal when they have the chance to win the game against the greatest team in European rugby history now, then we're all talking about a team who've made it to the final of the European Cup, uh, despite the fact they've missed so many of their players for the whole season. And you kind of think, well, that's a brilliant coaching achievement. That kick gets missed, they limp for the rest of the season, and suddenly the trigger gets pulled. Small margins. Um, like I, I don't think he... I think he does a third year if they're in a Champions Cup final. Um, playing against Claremont ever every opportunity so if that drop goal goes over I do think we're not having this conversation yeah. here now but it didn't and the issue I suppose 
is that maybe over the course of the last two years, Leinster probably haven't played the same way they did in you know under Michael Checa and under Joe Schmidt and um, Matt had a third year and was he going to have his contract renewed? You'd probably look and think maybe not at this point in time. Yeah, and then that lies the issue um, that you know he goes and inquires early in the year, you know, for a contract extension and. You know, the, the staff go well. We're, we're not sure, and then he starts looking and thinking elsewhere. So, you know, that takes all of that out of the equation now, and everyone can start afresh. Albeit there isn't a huge pool of of coaches to pick from. Yeah, we would have said the same that maybe there wasn't a huge pool of coaches to pick from when Checa was leaving, and even when Checa was sprung from effectively nowhere. So, like the the numbers, are, the number of people who've been suggested so far are the the banner headline people that everybody would expect to always be on any list of potential candidates presumably there are loads of people that we just don't know about yeah you, you kind of expect to see people like Avram Grant you know thrown <laughs> in there as well um, but um, yeah I think because certain guys you know you, the the ones like um, Robbie Deans and Ian McKenzie John O'Gibbs has just you know left Leinster and gone and, and um, to another club in Claremont to try and further his coaching experiences. So they're the obvious candidates. I'm sure other guys, when the job is um, is is made um, available and in interviewing is encouraged, um, guys will put their hands up. Guys that might be in assistant coaching roles or maybe even uh, head coaches elsewhere that have clauses in their contract that want to talk to that might have the opportunity to talk to to um, clubs in Ireland or clubs in England. Yeah. I don't really know the, the specifics of it. Um, what's the prototype? What are they looking for? Well, what's worked in the last few years with Cheka and with Joe is technically very good coaches. Um, I suppose and Cheka brought a, a, a bit of steel to the team and then he left the team in very good shape and Joe came in and really looked after the, the squad from a technical point of view. The The, the players really were able to police themselves relatively well and we didn't need to rely on him that much albeit you still need to rely on your coach for you know combination of carrot and stick so um, Joe obviously his understanding of of the game and getting the quality of players to play his brand you know was was the winning formula and when Mac came in technically we all thought he was very good maybe he just lacked a little bit of what what Joe does and, and did have of kind of being that silent assassin. Is there a, a point where you look for somebody who has uh, that technical stuff but is actually also maybe um, an already established guy to deal with the very high-profile players? So Johnny Sexton's coming back and I made the point during the week that you'd like to think Johnny Sexton's going to be impressed in the first training session the first time he meets this person. Otherwise... Things could go badly for this new coach. Yeah, potentially because Johnny is a is a big character. He's a big personality. He's a huge rugby knowledge himself. So you do have to think when guys like that are coming back, he has to be entertained, and he has to feel as though he's a lot to learn from from a new coach. So of course that thinking will come, but not just from from Johnny Sexton's point of view. There's other guys, Jamie Heaslip and yeah. Rob Carney, that have good rugby intellects as well and, and Does that make it harder for somebody who is an assistant coach somewhere wherever in France or in England to come and say okay right I'm going to be the boss and this is what we're going to do or I think that person really has to have uh, a lot of self-confidence and understanding in their methodology and, and how they want the game to be played yeah. that is, that's half the battle if you truly believe in your own rugby playing philosophy and that was the thing about Joe Joe lost the first five games um, first two warm up games and the first three Pro 12 but no one panicked um, just felt training was good and the message you were getting was good and eventually we turned it around Yeah. so likewise if someone comes in and you're hearing the right things every single day and they're saying the right things in meetings there's no sense of panic because the quality of players are there and eventually all of it will tie, tie in well together I'd like the idea of someone like Mike Ford. This is based on how well Bath played against Leinster and how brilliant and beautiful that rugby was to watch in the Aviva when they play Leinster. And, you know, we were chatting about this in the office. We were like, well, he's not going to leave his son. He's not going to leave a club in England. But the Leinster job is still pretty... It is, but um, that's a very, very wealthy club with a very wealthy owner. And I'm sure he's getting paid reasonably handsomely. They're playing a lovely brand. He's building something there. 
I also think Mike Ford would be judging on what he's done over the last couple of years would be a lovely guy to, to, to sign up because he definitely has you know even from those defensive days in Ireland he definitely has a good understanding of the game and wants to play an attacking style um, but I, I just don't see him leaving his current post you know there's every chance that they could win the Premiership this year and yeah. that's usually a stepping stone to go on and do you know something in, in Europe yeah, um, or maybe the England job, although I don't know if that's a, a poison chalice at some point. And then the other one was like Les Kiss, obviously, but Ulster have already signed him up. You know, got to sweep in there. And yeah, I, I, I wonder, yeah, he does live in Dublin and I presume he's moving up north um, when the World Cup finishes. Um, I would I would have thought that... It would be civil war in the Yeah, RFU. there's a bit of that. And maybe Les is kind of thinking, oh... I just held out a little bit longer. Are <laughs> <laughs> Leicester fans fooling themselves that we can get back to the Josh Smith days player-wise? Because we have lost so many. You know, can we play that rugby that everybody's wanting? I don't think we have in the current crop the same calibre, the same quality of team that we had three years ago. Yeah. I don't. Um, I think people like Gordon Darcy, you know, you'll see in the next couple of years what uh, how he's really been missed. Um, East is coming back obviously and having not played in a couple of years but then even players like Leo who was you know leaders just, yeah. just like awkward to play against and then we had people like Nathan Hines and Brad Thorne these are real real quality players and um, smart at what they were doing so um, I don't I don't know if that um, calibre of player exists at the moment it's a talented squad for certain but I don't think it's quite as good. And the same, you know, you look at Munster from yeah. when they won their couple of of, yeah. um, of Heineken's. You know that that core group of players. I, I don't think the talent is the same. Who who are the leaders in the group? When I was reading a piece today, and it's like when Sean O'Brien, Jamie Heaslip, Rob Carney, and these are in with Ireland. You know who stands up then? Um, listen, you don't want to have too many talkers. You want to go, want guys leading by the way they're playing and they're training and the small things. You know, I think leadership is a big thing of how you do extras after training and how young guys see you going the extra mile and making sure you're being an excellent professional. You don't have to say anything to yeah. be considered to be a leader, but um, you know, guys like like Jamie and, and Rob have really stepped up to the plate in the last few years Sexto's a massive leader but yet there can't be an enormous pressure put on Johnny and, and this whole oh Johnny's coming back everything will be great that's yeah. too much pressure for someone Johnny will come back and he'll pull it all together a little bit more for sure but the squad has to get themselves to 85-90% right and then Johnny will tie the loose ends Just on that uh, second tier of players ultimately you could probably point the finger at them for being part of the problem with the O'Connor era there it's that period of games that um, Joe Smith and David Nisifora at that press conference after Matt O'Connor has kind of gone in the media and said well we're not having our best players what do you expect and the game management thing isn't really working for us and um, they come out those two from the RFU come out and say well actually during the Six Nations this team has underperformed um, that's a an indictment of obviously it looks like it's a direct indictment of O'Connor but it also is an indictment of those players who are playing those six games or five games during that period I agree I think um, those players definitely have a responsibility when when the national team is in camp be it November or during the Six Nations to step up to the plate and continue the form through and that was the real strength of Leinster in seasons gone by when you know, you know, we weren't winning Pro 12s every year but getting to finals yeah. consecutively and giving ourselves a chance of winning it um, and you know this year just that's, that quality has not been good enough full stop and guys it's very hard um, you know, for a coach or for a player to go to a coach and say, you know, why am I being picked for the European Games when you haven't turned up for, you know, the games when all the internationals have been away, where you have to play hard fixtures with, yeah. you know, younger guys, academy guys, and all of a sudden the second string guys are the leaders in the team. If they don't step up to the plate, of course they can't be selected for European honours. Because there would have been times in previous seasons where you'd go away with Ireland for the Six Nations and come back and your place would be taken by somebody who played so well that it was very hard to drop them. They're, and they're all on enough. the Irish squad now. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, that's true. You know, people like Jack McGrath, yeah, those sort of guys. Matthew Moore and all those. Yeah, so th- you know, they just shows that when you play, when you get your opportunity and... You know, a smart play from coaches is to hold on to one or two guys into the team, and that was that is again so much of our conversation goes back to Joe. One of Joe's real strengths is keeping everyone guessing. No one was really f- fully sure whether whether he rated them, and you know, me included, I was kind of always wondering, going, 
this guy think I'm over the hill or am I definitely over the hill <laughs> alright 53106 is the text number if you want to get in touch you can tweet us here at Off The Ball as well some other stuff going on in the world yeah let's start with the rugby chair uh, Ulster in Glasgow tonight for the first weekend uh, our first Pro 12 semi-final of the weekend Dean Henderson uh, Rory Best Ruin Pinar and all have been recalled to the Ulster side for this game Neil Doak uh, of course chose to field a weekend lineup at Scottsdale last Saturday the Warriors of course themselves will be determined to win it is their final home appearance uh, of the season and as such the final one for their retiring captain Ali Kellock they've recalled Hooker Fraser Brown and scrum half Henry Epirigos for tonight's game and it kicks off at 7.45 also team news from Munster and Connacht today ahead of their matches over the weekend Peter Mahoney and Simon Zebo have been cleared to return to the Munster starting lineup for their semi-final tomorrow against the Ospreys O'Mahony's return means Dunica Ryan reverts to the second row where he'll partner Paul O'Connell uh, Dave Kilcoyne and Stephen Archer have also come back into the front row in place of John Ryan and BJ Botha. The Ospreys make two changes themselves from the side that beat Connacht the last time out. Dan Lydiate and uh, Jeff Hassler on the wing, replacing James King and Hanno Dirksen, uh, respectively. Connacht have made two changes for their Champions, Champions Cup playoff against Gloucester at Kingsholm on Sunday. Kieran Marmion's been ruled out for potentially up to four weeks with a medial ligament tear to his left ankle. So uh, John Cooney starts at scrum half. George Nwupu also coming into the team in the second row Gloucester were able to rest a lot of their frontline players last weekend uh, in the Premiership so they've got the likes of John, uh, James Hook Johnny May Greg Laidlaw and uh, Richard Hibbard all starting uh, on Sunday I'm going to talk about these games a little bit later on uh, also the Leinster trio of Jimmy Gopard, Zane Kircher and Shane Jennings all added to the Barbarians panel for the upcoming matches against Ireland and England. The Babas play Ireland at Thulman Park on May 28th before meeting with England at Twickenham three days after that. Leinster also today announcing Brendan Macken will join the English Premiership side Wasps for next season. He spent the second half of this season on loan with Gloucester and he's going to be joined at the Rico Arena next season by Leinster at half uh, Jimmy Gopard of course and James Downey who's uh, already agreed to make his loan move from Glasgow a permanent one so Wasps definitely recruiting for next season Rory McIlroy's the weekend off after a disastrous second round at the BMW PGA Championship the world number one carded six bogeys and a double bogey during a round of 78 at Wentworth which has left him five over for the tournament four outside the cut at the moment and of course uh, facing prospect of a weekend at home with his parents ahead of the Irish Open at Royal County Down Francesco Molinari uh, continues to set the pace on uh, 10 under par he's two shots clear of his closest challengers Shane Lowry carded a pretty impressive 67 earlier on he's 3 under and currently leads the Irish Challenge Peter Laurie has dropped 2 shots today he is 1 under par with 1 hole left to play so he's going to make uh, looks like he's going to make the weekend field Damian McGrain also on level par bit of an anxious wait for uh, Graham McDowell and Darren Clark on 1 over but they should also uh, be okay for the weekend cut yeah Peter Laurie doing great ever since he's been paired with me in the Pro-Am he's definitely stepped up his game Drew Live football tonight. Uh, league leaders Dundalk four points clear at the top of the Airtricity League Premier Division ahead of uh, tonight's round of matches in the Airtricity League Premier Division. Stephen Kenny's side looking to continue their unbeaten start as they travel to uh, Richmond Park to face St. Pat's. The game of the night though arguably at Turner's Cross. Second place Cork playing host to third place Shamrock Rovers. Bohemians will face Bray Wanderers at Daily Mount. Sligo Rovers visit Derry City while Drogheda United will host Goey United. Those matches will all kick off at 7.45. In the first division it's already underway at Tolka Park. Shell playing host to Waterford United tonight uh, leaders Finn Harps will look to stretch a six point lead as they host uh, UCD and second place Wexford Youths host uh, Athlone Town those games all get underway at 8 o'clock and there's a 7.45 start at Stradbrook where Cabin Teeley entertain Cove Ramblers Conor McSweeney on Twitter says did you see the Barbarians Twitter trolling Leinster fans this afternoon hashtag OTB the uh, trolling involved is we're honoured to be his final stop in a brilliant career. Hashtag Babas at Shane Jennings to sign off with Barbarians. Doesn't sound like much trolling to me. And then the next one is, delighted to have you involved, Jimmy Gopperth. Should be a great week. Very humbled and proud to be invited to play, says Jimmy in response. And then the last one is, thanks for lending them to us, guys. Hashtag Babas. Doesn't sound like... It's <laughs> the worst trolling I've ever heard. <laughs> if, who are the Babas is another question. The Babas are... Did you ever play with Babas? Yeah, I did, yeah. I played three times. Um... They were great. Yeah, they were great. Yeah, it's, it's a piss up, is it? It is. Um, yeah, you've, you've, you're kind of meant to knock it on the head on on the Wednesday and then start focusing on the game. They still take the games very seriously, but training's pretty light. And obviously, 
you need to knock it on the head early because it's pretty much running rugby that you play for the 80 yeah, minutes yeah. that's not really great when you've had a week full of points not ideal no did you get to play with absolute legends as yeah, well yeah I played in a brilliant team in um, 2000 or 2001 Carlos Spencer and right. Herbert and Latham and uh, Christian Cullen that was pretty oh, good. We ran out of gas after 50 minutes. <laughs> that <laughs> was one of the blonde hair era movies. Pre blonde hair era, actually. <laughs> it's supposed to be the rest of the world, right? Uh, it's just a. You get invited Bad to play. Yeah, it's just, an in, it's just an invite. Okay. Yeah, it can be. So it, it could be. So obviously from Ireland, um, Channel's playing, but we're play, they're playing against Ireland. So you ah, can okay. pick p- players out of favour. It's not as prestigious as it used to be, though, is it? I don't know if that's. Raining on poor Shane Jennings. No, it's more taking. This is his last professional <laughs> game, by the way. Of Jimmy Gofford, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor Jimmy. Uh, the Tyrone County Board of uh, Denied claims that some of their minor footballers verbally abused a Donegal player over the death of his father during last Sunday's Ulster Championship match. Uh, Donegal manager Declan Bonners claimed that two Tyrone players had made the remarks to his team captain during the game. Tyrone uh, have issued a statement this evening saying that they've already conducted an investigation involving its management and players and would like to refute in the strongest possible terms that any such comment was made by any of their players. You were doing journalism on this all day, calling sources, deep throats. I spoke to both both, uh, counties. Look, it's one word against another, Jared. That's it. Uh, Tyrone fellas are denying to say anything. The young lad involved came over to Declan Bonner during the game crying, saying that this was being said. You know, Declan Bonner said he's going to retire from the game because of this kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so... uh, Need, what, to, need to get lip readers out there. Yeah, that's the only way. Yeah, it's the only way because it, it was on TV. It wasn't live TV, but it's on TV. So if I was thinking the young fella, if he gives an idea of when it happened, you know, if there was a flashpoint, maybe that could be a way of solving it. Because if you're the type of individual that's going to say that to someone, you're not the type of individual that's going to admit that you said it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's never going to. You know, no one's going to hold their hands up here. Uh, Barbarians FC exceptional wing who is like Floyd Mayweather of rugby and will beat you one on one every time the electric Zane Kirshner hashtag Babas hashtag Rugby United don't know if I really want to be compared to Floyd Mayweather who's <laughs> one of the most horrible human beings on the planet but I'm sure, he's, I'm sure Zane's taken in the other way he's like obviously a good athlete uh, and then there are a few certainties in life bar death taxes and this man slotting his goals supremely talented at Jimmy Gops is that what he meant by the trolling of the Leicester fans that's a bit harsh on Jimmy wasn't it you missed one kick Killian uh, no. Clark's been ruled out of uh, Cavan's Ulster Championship battle with uh, Monaghan this Sunday a hamstring injury has uh, forced manager Terry Hyland to reshuffle his defence ahead of the quarterfinal uh, at Kingspan Breffney Park last night Darren Hughes was named in the Monaghan starting team for that game despite uh, some concerns over his fitness and also Alberto Contador has lost the overall lead at the Giro d'Italia he was involved in a crash during the closing stages of today's 13th stage the second uh, major crash of this year's race Italian sprinter Sasha Modola won the r- stage but the crash with 3k to go meant that Contador lost time in his main rival uh, Fabio Aru who now holds the Maglia Rosa uh, by 19 seconds sure. Alright 53106 is our text number if you want to get in touch with us you can tweet us at Off The Ball we're going to take a quick break and we'll talk about Paul O'Connell and his future and what the uh, future of Munster is in particular the short term future this weekend as well as the Ulster game uh, you can get your texts and opinions into 53106 You know, my opinion is only one opinion in, in, in the world of GA. Then I, I thought I was entitled to give my opinion. Everyone else was giving their opinions. As usual, people get upset by it. People have an opinion and they're entitled to it. Where's the evidence that you would have factored? Well, it's just my opinion. But like I said, there's no but evidence. There's only evidence for it. People have different opinions, different stuff. That's no problem. That's the way life is. Everyone's the same. It's boring, you know? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. the ball with thanks to Ford. This season calls for a change off the pitch and on the road. For a quality 151 offer, you know where to turn. Ford, go further. All right, I've got to tell you that we are back on the road just uh, under two weeks with thanks to our show sponsor Ford, ahead of the Republic of Ireland friendly with England and our huge Euro 2016 qualifier with Scotland. We're going to be coming to you live from the Helix in DCU on Thursday the 4th of June with a guest list that includes John Giles, Pat Nevin, Gary Pallister and former Celtic and Scotland captain Tom Boyd. We'll have some more guests too, which we're going to be announcing in the next few days. If you want to be there, text the word Ford, followed by your name, send the message to 53106, and somebody will be in touch with you next week. It's all with thanks to Ford, the official vehicle partner of the Irish football team, helping drive success both on and off the pitch. Ford, go further.
Brian O'Driscoll is with us this Friday evening. Um, we'll talk about the games themselves, obviously, because they're big games for both Munster and Ulster. But the news is beginning to leak out from the Munster camp that it looks like Paul O'Connell's last game at Thoman Park is going to be this weekend and that he's going to play the World Cup as a free agent. I know we've talked about this before and it doesn't really seem like there's a specific aspect of this news that is, is confirmed or, or actually breaking yet. But it does look as if the O'Connell era at Munster is over and... I don't think anybody would really begrudge him the opportunity to head in south and have some sun on his back. They just couldn't with with all that he's done uh, for Munster in the last fifteen odd years. Um, and if if those reports are true, you know, good luck to him. Um, he, you know, he deserves um, you know a bit of a pension that I'm sure he might get uh, down there. But he um, he's given everything in in a red jersey and. I, I couldn't see any any fans or or anyone in Munster having an issue with him um, finishing up this year, albeit he's meant to be contracted after the World Cup. I know that um, he's talked a bit about going into coaching at some point and that if you do, it's a good idea to go around and travel the world and see as many other coaching styles and play with as many players as you can. But I guess because you guys play with the Lions, you get to see loads of other coaching philosophies anyway. That's part of your career already. Yeah, you do, and um, you, you listen. I, I remember looking at Paulie and watching him and um, picking up different tips from different players. Him sitting, you know, doing some work with Dan Lydiot on the chop tackle, who is the master at it. And Paulie would work, you know, for half an hour after sessions once a week with Dan Lydiot just to make sure that he had his uh, honed his his chop tackle. He's a bit of a perfectionist. So interestingly, on the on the France front, if he does want to become a, a coach. I don't know how how much he's going to be able to learn his French down in Toulon because you know, there's no French speakers yeah. down there. But if he does want to go and learn French um, and play down there, it might be a good opportunity for him to then go and and do his coaching badges and do his his relevant coaching apprenticeships down there afterwards, uh, with a view to obviously coming back to Ireland and sharing that knowledge. Yeah, the other thing is you'd be playing with absolute superstars of the game as well, who you can probably steal a few ideas from. Hard to turn that down, it really is. You know, you're playing that calibre of players and Paulie is a perfectionist and he would really thrive in that environment, seeing guys uh, being really good pros and interesting, just, it was a strange one after the the Champions Cup final, um, uh, Stefan Armitage was brought in and interviewed um, when we were when we were talking uh, after the game and he immediately he moved on to the next game. Yeah. It's like, come on, enjoy it. It's a Champions Cup final. He was like, oh, we've got another competition to win. So they do seem very clued in as to and driven by success and wanting to make themselves you know, the greatest team that's ever played in Europe. Yeah, from a Munster perspective, it's probably something that, I mean, I guess if this is what they're doing, um, they'll have been planning for the succession anyway. They're They're, quite glad I'm sure that Dunica Ryan's career isn't over the way some people had, had feared that it might be and he obviously is is back that's an automatic somebody who can slot in there next season but they probably will have to go and spend a bit of money or try and invest in second rows now because Yeah historically Munster have been quite successful with second rows um, you know, they've always had a, a, a good wealth in, in young guys coming through I know Dave Foley broke through last year yeah. properly and then probably hasn't hit those heights uh, again this season uh, he's been he had some injury issues but um, it, they've never really struggled there. But it, you know, you don't replace Paul O'Connell with another you know, someone out of the academy. It's, you're going to have to invest a lot of time in that. And whether they want to bring some steel into the second row along with Dunica O'Callaghan or Dunica Ryan for next year, we'll, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Um, once we do finally hear that Paulie has signed off, yeah. And does it, from his perspective, if you were to be advising somebody who's been through this situation, like get the announcement done and wait until after the World Cup to sign for somebody new, or get that announcement out of the way too? See, the thing is, no matter what, there's more questions coming. Um, I I signed off with the I'm retiring at the end of the year early on to stop the questions about retirement, but little did I know the yeah. million questions about you know or, or remarks that would be made about it being your final year and the long goodbye. So as soon as Paul does start answering those team those questions, and and a new line of questioning starts coming, uh, and so it's just from one topic to the next. So he's playing it as straight as possible. I wonder is he just trying to get beyond the final home game in Thomond and not make a big deal of it and you know the the wave goodbye. You know he's he's um, an understated sort of guy and it will play down a lot of that stuff. So I'm sure he'll enjoy if that if it is the last time it, he'll enjoy the occasion himself, but. Um, not want to make you know too much of it. 
Yeah, because that, that's definitely something that you would have thought if it was going to be his last game there, he'd announce it so he could say his goodbyes. But he'll do it in his own personal, you know, he'll do it in his own quiet way. Very likely, very likely. And um, yeah, I wouldn't want to, you know, he's not trying to, not trying to steal the limelight from the team. You know, it's it's a, a, this semi-final is a means to go and, and winning another trophy and it's you know, potentially his final trophy for Munster. So he wants the, you know, maybe he wants the focus fo- fully to be on that yeah. and, and not deflect it onto him. That sky dude will make him cry on Saturday. Nothing sure. <laughs> Hashtag gives a hug, Shawzy. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to be able to make Paul O'Connell cry in, on TV after the game. No, I wouldn't think so. Maybe if they so. lose. I wouldn't think so. Uh, do you expect Maybe them to lose? Maybe if they put the fear of God into him. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh. Do you expect them to lose? Uh, no. No, I think they'll be too good there. I, I listen. There was dragons last week, and dragons were had one one foot in Vegas already, and uh, in, in that game. But um, no, I I think Munster are are have have been defensively very good. Defensively, they were pretty good against Ulster and managed to hang in there. Albeit, I thought they were you know the second best team in that game, yeah, and should have won the game. Uh, but I think they'll have too much in Thomond and. Um, yeah, they'll be up in in uh, Ravenhill or Kingspan next week. When you have a game like that against Ulster, where you get hammered, you come back, you're winning, and then you leave it behind. What's the what's the takeaway? Is it we're way better than we thought we were? We're nowhere near as good as we should be. What's the? No, I think well, um, all the emotions, and including at the end, I can't believe we didn't win that. But oh my god, we were so lucky to almost have won it. Yeah. So there's yeah, there's a bit of everything. Um, and then they'll go away and take the good and then realise all the improvements they needed to make. Yeah. Um, and the good is that you're getting hammered by somebody but they're not scoring against you because your defence is being really solid in a way that maybe it hasn't been over the last couple of years. Like even in the first half, you know, they they, they turned their defence into attack. Keith Earl should have gotten a try, you know, should have extended their lead from 9-0 before Ulster came back into it. So um, they could have had almost an, uh, an unassailable lead uh, going in at half time. If they'd taken their opportunities themselves, so that, you know, there's there's plenty be, plenty to be positive about. But um, they'll need to play well against Ospreys. Ospreys are a good team, and they've been consistently very, very good this year, and, and themselves very unlucky not to be home home uh, semi finalists. That um, Rob Penny monster era is, in terms of the raw data, not a million miles away from Matt O'Connor. Obviously, Matt O'Connor did win a trophy. But the progress that Munster have made this season where they are capable of being defending one moment and suddenly being attacking, we didn't really see that type of stuff in the Penny era. And I guess that transformation is what the Leinster fans are hoping is going to happen. I think too with the Penny era that they played a style that just was not suitable to them. And um, I think they've modified that massively this year and playing way more to their strengths. Their mall has always been one of their best attacking options, and you saw against against Dragons. You know, Connor Murray had so much joy around the base of malls and and you know rooks close to the line. He's uh, he got a, the easiest hat trick you'll ever get. Yeah. Um. So, you know, they they do know what they're very good at, and they've obviously practiced that an awful lot under Anthony Foley this year. And yeah, if it is one of your weapons, you know, practice it more and make it unbelievable. It's kind of a justification for changing a coach as well. That this, like that, that's the perfect example from what you want to see from a team where they go back to their fundamentals, they improve, players start coming into the form that we know they're capable of. Yeah, and you can add to the rest of your game as well. It doesn't mean that you have to completely revert back to your original type of what won your previous Heineken Cups. You have to play to the strengths of the individuals on your team as well. Mm. You need to get the ball to Simon Zebo and Keith Earls as much as you need to stick it up your jumper and draw penalties from opposition, which they managed to do. And Ink Keatley is kicking extremely well at the moment too. So all of those things together make them you know, too much for Ospreys for me. Earls is on fire at the moment. He really is. He looks great. He looks... He looks um, lean and, you know, he's always had this, he's got X factor. He's someone that, um, you know, you you get the ball to and he can make things happen. Yeah. And um, he picks up a lot of, you know, a lot of softish tries, I said in the past, because he's an unbelievable support runner too. It's kind of a little bit like Chris Ashton minus the dive. Thornley said during the week that he's in control of his body more than he's ever looked before and I kind of know what he means. It, like, you know, it looks like he's he's fully fit in a way that the if there is going to be an injury now, it's not going to be, you know, some bad accident. It's going to be a horrible tackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I haven't seen him looking this good and... Um, 
and this sharp for for a few years. And I think as well, he's he's a real confidence player. And yeah. when he starts playing well like this, I think you know it, it can he, go sky high. He's a good man for timing. Alliance Tour coming up, I'll be in the form of my life. The World Cup coming up, I'll be in the form of my life. It's what Shane Horgan used to do. He used to have the season of his life every time co- contract renewal came <laughs> up. <laughs> Uh, All right, so this Ulster side, uh, I don't know what the truth about this Ulster team are after last week where they were reasonable in parts um, uh, against Glasgow and then obviously this is a totally different team. But does does the whole mood of everything change because you get hammered in a game where your B team is out or can you write it off? No, I think you write that off. And, you know, listening to Neil Doak, it's hard to understand whether he was being fully truthful about it that they couldn't field, you know, a full team uh, until... The, you know the Thursday of the game, they just felt they were better off leaving leaving players out. Yeah, but I think they were they, they for the bench though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they they were resigned to the fact that you know maybe with a with a half lit team they weren't going to win the game. So save everyone for a game over there that they absolutely feel they can win. Yeah, did they think? But by any chance, were they trying to avoid Munster by maybe losing to Glasgow? I don't think. No. Listen, you can't be. No, no, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that was Neil Doak's team talk before they went out. Don't don't be too good. Be good, but don't be too good. <laughs> no, he leaves half his best players on the bench. You know, he's not going to. I, I I think there must have been something in how guys had felt. Um, you know, having played a, a very attritional game against yeah. Munster the previous week, they must have must have been sore bodies uh, because you don't go over with the with the possibility of getting a home semi final and then knowing that. The there's a home final coming yeah. unless you had trouble um, with, with injuries because so. Glasgow now Ulster in a better position than Glasgow now because Glasgow would have learned nothing from last week you know no, about Ulster no. and Ulster would have and the thing was for 60 minutes you know Ulster were still really in it they took they got the first uh, they got the first try and I, I, I feel that there's a huge amount of pressure on Glasgow Glasgow have been tipping away and, and you know improving year on year but they have to win one soon yeah. and you know they've they are they unbeaten at home this year and you know they'll be um they'll be difficult but I think you know Ulster are pretty hungry themselves so I I reckon um could be the first semi-final it's like on 10 semi-finals Never, where it's, yeah, all, where it's all been home yeah. I reckon this could that could be the first one um is momentum a real thing in a group from match to match to match? Because obviously Ulster coming off the back of the draw and the way that match finished probably feel, oh, you know, that's we're, that's good. So they, they gift or they, they decide we don't want to continue that momentum into the away. So, like if they'd won last week against Glasgow, are they coming here today going, we've got your number, we're going to kill you. This isn't even the game for us. Or... I think momentum does help. You know, players like to win and yeah. remember how you know, winning inspires confidence and, ma- and does make you play better because you go, you know, the last time I was in this jersey, yeah, we d- we played really well and we had a great win, and that's why you know Glasgow the way they did play in the last fifteen or twenty minutes and pulled out the scores the way they did and, and pulled away from Ulster, they'll be inspired. You know, from a from a confidence point of view, I think it'll be a very very close game. I just fancy. Ulster to sneak it because a couple of matchups. Seeing Richie Vernon in the centre against Jared Payne, you know Richie Vernon's a converted back back rower into the centre. I just think Jared Payne could have a bit of fun. The opposite of slamming Sam. Opposite of slamming. Five three one zero six is the text number if you want to get in touch. We've had a load of uh, texts and tweets coming in, and we're about two minutes away from kick off on that one. So we're going to keep an eye on that. We're going to get some texts right after these. Off the ball, with thanks to Ford. With the arrival of the brand new 151 Ford range, a transfer is definitely on the cards. Ford, go further. All right, you're very welcome back. Uh, We've had a lot of questions in. Um, People just throwing names at us at this point about the Leinster team. We may as well have a word about some of them. Sam Monson, hey Sam, how are you? Uh, Too early for Gervin Dempsey as Leinster coach? A lot of people seem to think he's headed there eventually. Yeah, I think a bit early. one thing I learned, I was talking to Ron O'Gara the other day and, and um, we were just talking about Leo going from, from player to coach and, you know, him finding his feet. And Rog said how difficult it is your first year. First year in anything I found in first year in punditry is very, very hard. It's a steep learning curve, very different to playing. And so coaching likewise. So he said, it's, you know, it does take a, a betting in period. And you look at someone like Martin Johnson yeah. that came in straight into coaching, didn't have the greatest of times. No. Uh, so I, I, I think, you know, Gerv definitely has a few more years in him before he um, starts looking at, at head coach roles. What was the hardest part about uh, punditry? Um, finding your voice. You know, there's definitely the first few weeks it, you're a little bit afraid to offend anyone that you've, you know, you've played with naturally enough and then you know just wondering 
you know, people judging your opinion, but yet, you know, you're, you're kind of sit, you're trying to sit on the fence, but not sit on the fence. Yeah. And then you realize you, you have to give us, you know, good quality soundbite and tell it as it is. And some people will be a little bit put out by it but you have to accept that. Gary Neville did a great interview with um, Graham Hunter where they talked a good bit about this recently and Neville was saying that for him there was a couple of times where he was like he'd said something and he was like oh please like, can I get those words back please? Mm. He called uh, Gareth Barry a disgrace for um, I don't know not tackling somebody at the near post and he was like oh that's not really a disgrace other things were a disgrace. I found myself um, say, calling someone oh he is a world class player. <laughs> And I'm not going to say who the player was. <laughs> I just remember thinking, oh my God, he wouldn't get on my Sunday 15. <laughs> uh, crazy what if scenario. Pat Lamb and Leinster turning Connacht around. Same guy with Leinster resources. <laughs> Listen, he's contracted uh, in Connacht, so I don't think he's going to uh, going to be jumping ship. Um, but um, I, no, I think it's going to be someone that um, that potentially is in assistant role where... You know, they don't want to be seen to be leaving a team high and dry. A head coach could potentially do that or yeah. will, would do that. So I would see it being someone that's probably out of contract or maybe an assistant. Do we need loads of Irish coaches to be out there getting jobs so that eventually we can have Irish coaches or does it actually matter? It, it doesn't matter. It's, it would be great. We've done um, okay with foreign coaches yeah, before. Like, yeah, like, this system works. Yeah, it does work. And if you know, the likes of Leo and Gerv come good and they're the right guys for the job eventually well you know, sign them up but for the time being you have to do your apprenticeship and um, you know, Joe did his in in Auckland and Bay of Plenty yeah um, checks you know came from Randwick over and you know he's bounced to multiple different clubs since so you do have to do a little bit of apprenticeship um, and understanding you know, the workings of a team there's, w- there's way more to it than just what you're coaching out on, on a park uh, Niall, he says he's on the way to Galway. Can you ask Brian how vicious is the sledging that goes on in professional rugby? Also, who were the worst stroke nastiest sledgers? The Aussies are always the worst. Are, are they? Yeah, I think so. Um, but you don't um, you don't hear too much of it. I'm usually, you know, for for sledging, I was usually too much blowing out the other end to be worrying about, you know, slagging someone off. So forwards are it always happens. Yeah. It does happen in the front row, but yeah, listen, they're a different human being in the front row. Um, there was some story about Spuds and Sean O'Brien from back in the day from a pre-season friendly against Harlequins. Was that? Was that yeah. I know. Maybe somebody else remembers that one. <laughs> uh, sackings in rugby isn't the norm. Could Matt's exit herald the start of mid-season or mid-contract sackings like soccer? There's asks. no point. Like, it's not the same. There's not the same availability of, of coaches. So, um, you know, we also don't have the finances to be able to pay a guy off in the middle of the season. Yeah, that's not a good use of resources at all. No, it's really not. Uh, now it's not the same, you know, sort of money that soccer coaches are on. But um, no, I, I, I don't see it going that way. Um, you know, teams have to find their way of fighting themselves through a difficult patch and you know, reassess things at the end of the season. Is there ultimately a, a situation where you like to have your coach already on the staff, and that there's a director of rugby whose job it is? unconnected to being the coach who's bringing them all through or is that kind of pie in the sky territory as well I don't know that, I'm not sure on the director of rugby one you know, you almost find yourself sometimes in a role of being unfireable yeah um, whereas oh no I just oversee all of that um, but yet you know, do you still pick the team yeah so um, yeah, there's a few few people that I've seen in that position and it's you know there's plenty of other people can go before they can fair play to them for finding themselves in those roles but I don't know if it's uh, if it's the best for the club as in they don't have ultimate responsibility they're uh, there's too much of a remove from them and the yeah, ultimate they're, product they're coach but they're not coach they're you know overseeing everything and doing far more than you know than than Telling the team how to play, yeah. they're doing it's kind of an all-encompassing role, um, looking after cl- after the club and logistics and making sure that everything is working well, the academy is working, functioning well. Um, and then if you have a head coach and teams, you know, the team isn't going well, well, they're an easy guy to to uh, yeah. to cut. Don't do me. Yeah. Um, two quick ones. Who is the best thirteen in world rugby? Um, Asks Daniel Stone. I would. Conrad Smith, maybe. Um, Manu Tulagi, when he's fit. Ah, and really? not, not yeah. punching um, yeah. police. Yeah. Manu is a massive, massive loss for England. I, I, 
played against this guy and I, I didn't want to. And then I trained and, and played with him on the Lions tour and he was so good. He really was. He's he's um he's good rugby smarts too, maybe not off field smarts. Yeah. Um but good understanding of situations and being able to uh, see them unfold and pick the right option. People think that he doesn't pass an awful lot, but he doesn't have to pass a lot. England have had a really bad week because they haven't picked the French players, the players who are playing in France, and they've lost Tuolagi. So you're thinking stick Tuolagi and Armitage in that squad and, whoa. That- mm, a, a, a different prospect. I think England need all their aces. They need all their X Factor to win the World Cup. And, they're, and they're giving it away for they're, nothing. They're potentially biting off their nose despite their face a little bit. I don't understand it. It's like... They say it's exceptional circumstances. Exceptional is trying to win a World Cup. No? On home soil. Yeah. No, like they're never going to get the home... It's going to be 40 years, 24 years before they get a World Cup again. That's lo- for me, it's losing face a little bit. It is. What happens yeah. the next World Cup if there's 10 of them in France? Well, that's exceptional circumstances. So many of them off. Exceptionally, we don't have a full team to pitch. <laughs> Um, Exceptionally bad circumstances there. Jerry Flannery to Steve Thompson, hashtag sledging. I think that was just name calling, wasn't it? Uh, and Tony wants to know, can you ask Brian why he doesn't think Jack really should be given time to make his pick? I, I don't understand what why there's need for time. I understand that the guy is born in Birmingham and has played for Ireland underage, but the... You playing for your country when someone comes and says we we want you to play for you and you've pre- played previously and you turn them down for me that's hedging your bets and now with Hodgson coming out and saying oh yeah we're interested in him you know maybe I'll stand corrected in a couple of months time but now that the the English have come along I just fancy that he's going to pick them yeah um, should we be happy enough to wait and go a 19-year-old has decided to hedge his bets? Not me. Or do we have to have Not a, me. I think you, you know, talk about saving face. You know, you, you can't be the guy, oh, well, just wait, 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 wait. You have to make a stance and have pride in the jersey too. Personally, I think that, you know, no player is bigger than being able to pat, turn down selection and then pick it up when he wants. Is there an exception? You know, it's too big an honour, you know, playing for your country. I, I would agree with that, but I don't think we're in a position to... We're too bad. At, we're too crap to let someone like Grealish. You know, I, I would give a little bit of leeway to him. No, I, I, I just, I can't. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me that, that, you know, it, it, he, yes, he's nineteen. People, oh, he's only nineteen. But nineteen-year-old shouldn't have the power over a country like that as much as Raheem Sterling shouldn't have the power over Liverpool the way he has. I think the power shift is in the player's favour in, in, in football far yeah. more than it is other sports I, and I don't think that's favourable. Uh, yeah, that's interesting because I would have assumed that you would automatically be on the side of the players as a as a player. You're not though. It, it, you think that it's gone the team too far. Is, no, the team, is bigger. the team is always bigger than the player and, and players come and go and the team always remains the same. Yeah. And, you know, Liverpool Football Club won't be any lesser for having Raheem Sterling maybe for a year or two but, that, you know, they're ambition and their history and everything will will go on for you know decades beyond Raheem Sterling. Yeah. Sterling. Um the Sterling situation it looks like Liverpool have just handled it really badly by not either tying him down to a contract beforehand or just paying whatever is the the going rate that that maybe that's the mistake there. Um that's what your pal Gavin, uh, Gary Neville was saying on Monday night football wasn't it? Yeah, uh, I I kind of saw him um, talking about it, that he, they've done a little bit of bad business recently yeah, with have. a few guys and they, they leaked it as well that he turned down the first contract which wasn't helpful um, it's 3 all in the game between Glasgow and Ulster there's about 10 minutes gone in that one what's that ground like to play in is it uh, when it's I don't know if I've played I haven't played that oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Glasgow away is a fixture you never have to try and play when you're 33 or 34 years of age That'd that player management system is brilliant <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, speaking of sledging and rugby, we met former Dragons player Jamie Ringer on a bus at Cheltenham Racecourse a few years ago. We said we were from Munster. He told us a story about how he and Rog were both horse owners, stroke enthusiasts, and whenever they played each other, Rog would shout horse insults at him. <laughs> Where's your effing horse now, Ringer? I hope you're not as shit as your effing horses, Ringer, etc. Says Ronan. Rog was one of the worst, um, worst sledgers, without a shadow of a doubt. I remember one time um, James Hook on the Lions tour got called in and he was really worried about you know rooming with Raj. He was like, I, I don't even think he likes me. He told me I was effing <laughs> S star, star, star <laughs> uh, when we played against them in uh, in the in the Welsh game. 
But Raj doesn't remember what he says. He kind of blacks out. So it's just, it was like, oh, well, I don't know what he's got an issue with me. <laughs> well, you didn't say the nicest things about him. There, there was trash between him and Sexton when Sexton came on the scene first too, wasn't there? There was a lot of it, yeah. <laughs> Which ended It was coming both ends. It was yeah, coming yeah. both sides. It probably would have started well. with Raj though, wouldn't it? You it, could be sure of it. Yeah. <laughs> you could be sure of it. It's unlikely Sexton's going to open his mouth straight away. No. He might give it a couple no, of games. No, And Sexton is, um, is, is an elephant. Like, he remembers everything and he stores it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and that's where the roar from uh, 09 came back that was stored from a few episodes of abuse that he'd taken in the previous couple of uh, games against Monster. Was that just a roar or was there actual a roar kind of shouting a message? I don't actually think there was a message. No, I think it was just... just ah, like a, yeah, yeah, like f- from deep inside <laughs> him. Three-year-old stale air. Um, we wanted to talk to you about the the drug testers because obviously this is something that um, is, has come up in various sports recently. Rugby players are never on holidays. It turns out. Mm, yeah, it was it was interesting to hear that uh, a few of the boys in their houses had had drug tester visitors on um, on Monday um, after pretty much when they're on the first week of their holidays. I know uh, some players are, are playing in the. Um, the Barbarians game on, yeah. on this day week or uh, Thursday but um, yeah it's it's a strange one you just got the sense that they were you know what were they chasing were they chasing guys that potentially were, were out messing uh, you know more than than having their few pints or were they chasing after guys that they thought might be getting stuck in to help themselves for a bigger preseason. Yeah, just that it's it was a, it was first a strange option, time first option I'd say it seems like a sneaky manoeuvre doesn't it is that their job to be a bit sneaky? Kind Absolutely, of. Absolutely, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Catch anyone at at all costs. Yeah, and try and make sure you you um, yeah you kind of dig out anyone that's potentially assisting themselves. Yeah, and you hope that it's happening uh, everywhere because that's the thing, really, isn't it? That is the thing. I, I I know that we are good here. We're good testers here, and that's no slur on on the lad on the lads in the Irish Sports Council. In fact, it's probably it's good business from their point yeah. of view. But you'd be hopeful that. Uh, everyone else in all the other countries were getting tested similarly after their Super Sunday. I'm almost entirely out of time here, but um, Gloucester Connacht, how's that going to go? Tough for for uh, Connacht, but Gloucester aren't unbeatable. I saw them in the Challenge Cup uh, final, and they're canny. A uh, couple of guys in in key positions, Hook and and Laidlaw, that can run things well. So. Um, it'll be tough for Connacht but they can do it if they play one of their games this season hopefully uh, Hook is as bad as Rod says Brian great stuff thanks so much for uh, joining us this evening we'll talk to you again real soon we've got our quiz and best of coming up after the news Off the Ball with thanks to Ford this season calls for a change off the pitch and on the road for a quality 151 offer you know where to turn Ford go further